With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Sea, episode 197, uh, part of your Over the Monster podcast network. I'm your host today, Keaton DeRocher. With me is Matt Collins. Uh, Matt, it's been um, been a while since we have talked. How was uh, how was Christmas? How was New Year's? Uh, Christmas and New Year's were not uh, the Christmas and New Year's I'll be remembering for a long time. It's um, <laughs> a little... Some stuff going on in the world that uh, prevented me from going anywhere, but uh, it was all right. Got some time off work, which was nice. Yeah, it was a it's a weird holiday season. This was the twenty twenty was the first year ever in my life where I did not return to my home state. So I was here for that you. was kind of a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Still cold. Still cold. Yeah, I figured. Uh, short rundown for today. Um, with the report that came out over the weekend that the Red Sox are aggressively shopping Andrew Benintendi, we thought, why not take a stab at creating some fake trades for Benny and uh, see what we can come up with and maybe one of us hits a nail on the head. So we'll 
that'll be fun. And then we'll dive into uh, Fangraphs just released their uh, Red Sox prospect rankings. So we will take a look at those, see if there's any surprises, give our thoughts on the farm, and then answer some listener questions. But first, the presenting sponsor of today's pod is Fifth Element. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specifically designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, also known as 5E, is a full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today, feel better by tomorrow, by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com using the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp.com to get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. All right, diving on into the Benny trade bonanza here. Um, I actually guess, first I want to get your thoughts on the report. Because we didn't really say much of anything. Just that uh, the Red Sox are you know, not turning teams away. Uh, specifically said they were in deep, like deep in trade negotiations, but it didn't really get too specific. We don't know what teams have been in on it. We only know that they're actively shopping him and said to be looking for a pitcher uh, and prospects as a starting point. Yeah, it was kind of weirdly worded. It was serious talks, but no specific teams and nothing's imminent, but they're asking for prospect type outfield starting pitcher or starting pitchers i don't quite know what any of that means um i don't know if you saw um this was reported maybe 15 20 minutes before we started recording um from jim bonnet again who made the initial report uh the marlins were apparently one of the teams that they talked to um they haven't agreed on a return so it doesn't sound like that's Again, it doesn't sound like anything's imminent, but yeah, it's just, it's a weirdly worded report, which makes it a little hard to judge. Um, I will say I was a little surprised by how upset a lot of people seem by it. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand not giving this front office and not giving the organization in general the benefit of the doubt right now. Um, So I don't even necessarily think it's wrong to be upset or taken aback by the rumors or anything, but to me it seems like... Yeah, you you at least see what's out there. Um, I mean, I think we've talked about this, all of us have talked about this a lot all winter, that things kind of open up a lot more if Benintendi's not on the roster. Um, There's just more free agents available at that position. And so if you can use him to get that pitching help or get more outfield help or whatever you can get, if there's actual value out there for him, I think you absolutely have to listen um, I know I've been skeptical and I remain a little skeptical that the value is actually there that would make it worth it. But um, I mean, I don't think this is a situation like, I mean, last year with Mookie Betts, obviously there was really no trade scenario that was going to appease me trading Mookie Betts. And the same would go if they were shopping somebody like Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts. Uh, but Ben Attendee's just not in that class for me. I think there's a decent chance at a bounce back, but at the same time, um, just the way he can open up, moving him can open up the roster and uh, give you an opportunity to kind of do some more things. If you can get value for it, I think you have to explore it. Yep. Completely agree. 
And it's interesting to think, like, right before Benintendi got hurt, uh, he was on a tear for about a week and then missed essentially the last month of the season, which was basically half the season anyway. Um, but had he been able to finish 2020 on that same pace, I don't think we're even talking about entertaining trade offers and people are, are pretty satisfied with him being your everyday left fielder. Um, it's just, so it's just kind of funny how a matter of weeks ended up kind of swaying his value. I don't remember that. I feel like he didn't play long enough for that to happen. Did he? he only played 14 games. Yeah, well, it was right. Well, I only remember it because it was right around the time that I was writing the article about him. Okay, so I had been looking at his stats, uh, and he had like three straight multi-hit games uh, right before he got hurt. So it seemed like he had been turning the corner, and then we just didn't get to see it play out. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't really. I, my concern with Benintendi doesn't really have anything to do with twenty twenty. Um, like I said, he only played 14 games. 2020 was a weird, weird year for everybody. It's the same reason I'm not super, super worried about J.D. Martinez or any yep. of these other guys that struggled. It was just, I mean, come on, we all lived through it. We know we know what life was like. Um, my, But my concern with Ben Attendee is that he's been average. He's really only been consistently above average for like the first half of 2018. And other than that, he's been mostly an average hitter. Um and his athleticism has dropped at an alarming rate. He's no longer capable of playing center field. Um, so, like I said, I think I still believe some of that talent is in there, but I don't know how likely it is to come back out. And I, while I get the concerns about selling low, part of part of selling low means that there's going to be a bounce back, and Benintendi's going to be the guy that we saw flashes of in 2018, and the guy uh, that we thought he was going to be when he was coming up. And I mean that's just not a guarantee. So I mean, like I said, I I'm still skeptical that there's value out there that would make it worth trading him to me. Um, but I there are enough red flags that it's not crazy to think about. That's fair. So on that note, uh, we both picked five uh, fake trade scenarios here. I hate it so um, much. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned the Marlins because I originally had the Marlins as my fifth team, but couldn't find anything that I thought made sense, and then abandoned it. So, um, and I I had not seen that report, so that's actually interesting that they actually have named a team now. But uh, why don't you kick it off? Uh, What was what was the first trade scenario you came up with? Yeah, so, um, I think the Braves make sense as a team. That is looking for an outfielder um, and a team with a lot of young pitching. Um, that a match could be there. I also threw Michael Chavis into this one. Another guy, kind of. I mean, Chavis is kind of just stuck right now. Uh, Phil Newfer wrote about this for us uh, this morning, Monday morning, um, talking about how he's just sort of blocked right now. Um, he doesn't have a great path to playing time so i could see him coming up in these trades to add a little bit of value sort of like benintendi not exactly at the peak of his value but um not a guy that carries no value um so in this trade i also had the red sox taking back ender and Ciarte, who is sort of a negative value right now um his contract isn't huge I believe aav wise it's only like six million but the braves do want to get rid of that contract 
Um, for this year, he's kind of blocking some of their other outfielders. He has a club option for 2022 that almost certainly won't be picked up. Um, and so Enciarte would be a disappointing but uh, addition to center field, but I think they would probably just roll with him in center field and then uh, target another left fielder. And then along with Enciarte, um, I looked at uh, Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson as sort of back-end starters who are ready right now. Um, Brendan Shoemake, who I really don't want the Red Sox to get, only because I will always put an R at the end of his name. Um, get <laughs> out of here with the name Shoemake. That really drives me nuts. Um, but he's a uh, he was a recently a high draft pick. Um, relatively close, plays on the infield. Um, so he would be an interesting addition. And um, who else do I have on there? I, I wrote it down, and I don't remember. Tranuk. Yeah, Tranuk, who... Um, another prospect, he's in the bottom-ish of the top ten, out, right outside the top ten of the Braves system. Um, not a high-impact prospect, but um, sort of in that middle-of-the-farm system depth area. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a quantity over quality return, but they get a guy who can play center field... Um, play good defense probably isn't going to add much offensively. Uh, they get a young pitcher who can slide into the rotation right away, and then a couple of prospects who are probably not going to be stars, but are solid depth pieces for the farm system. So I actually like this, and uh, you kind of poo pooed in Ciarte, but that was actually the piece that stood out to me the most in this. I'm not a very big Ciarte fan. I am. I like him. I mean, I know um, 2019 was a bit lackluster, but he was hurt. Only played in 65 games. Um, you know, 2020 is what it is. But he's got speed. He can play really good defense in the outfield. Um, he would cover a position in center that you need covered, and he has a really good ability to get on base. So even if he doesn't hit for average, just looking on base. Um, so I actually kind of like that piece. Yeah, I mean, I think um... – I mean, there's no doubt the Red Sox need a center fielder. And as we've talked about, once you get past Jackie Bradley Jr., there's just not a lot of good options there. Now, after the Francisco Lindor trade, I feel like the Mets are out on George Springer, and they're going to be all over Jackie Bradley. And I'm as pessimistic as ever that Bradley is coming back. So at this point, yeah, uh, just give me a body who can play center field and then you also have hunter renfro who could sort of semi platoon with enciarte and then verdugo slides over to center field on those days um and obviously you're opening up left field and i would i would hope that they would sign somebody like a ozuna or a brantley or something to make a bigger addition to the outfield there and then just use enciarte as sort of a bridge to duran so i mean you could do worse i'm not a huge Enciarte fan I don't yeah like I said I don't think he brings much on offense but you can you can do worse and there's just not a bunch of options at that position right now yeah I do definitely write about the Braves having a bunch of young arms uh and I wouldn't mind taking one of those off their hands um I know nothing about Shoemaker and Trenok so um sure why not so I actually don't hate your first one here thanks uh, my first one, I went with pretty much with the same model throughout with um, a starter and a reliever, uh, since that was what I remembered from that original report. So my first one is Cleveland. 
uh, trading Benintendi to Cleveland for Emmanuel Kloss and Cal Quantrill, who um, I still think could be a starter with some tender love and care. Um, and then Kloss would definitely be uh, a high leverage reliever, which the Red Sox would definitely need. And then if not, Cal Quantrill has been pretty good in the bullpen too, so you get kind of two high leverage back end bullpen pieces which wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being like a similar move there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we've, I think we've talked about Quantrill before on here. You and I have. Um, I've been a big Quantrill guy since he got drafted, um, so I would like that. I don't. I wouldn't be upset at this trade. I would be a little surprised if Cleveland traded both of them uh, for Benintendi, but. I guess it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. It's just so... The reason... I mean, I hate making trade packages just in general. Um, yeah. But I hate it, like, super a lot with Ben Attendee because it's just... I could see different teams valuing him so differently. So, I mean, this definitely isn't out of the realm of possibility, I think. Like you said, it would definitely boost the pitching. It would boost it pretty immediately. I mean, both of these guys are major league ready. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't know that I would love it. Um, I feel like I would like to get at least some position player help back just because pitching is so shaky and the Red Sox are not good at getting the most out of pitchers. Um, But obviously that's where the need is. So it's a little bit of a rock and a hard place in that respect. Um, So yeah, I, I don't hate it. I would be thrilled and I'm not, I'm honestly not sure Cleveland would give up two major league ready pitchers, um, but it's not it's not crazy. Yeah, I think it would depend on how Cleveland sees Quantrill. Uh, if they thought they were just giving up two bullpen arms, they might be willing to do it. But if they think that long term Quantrill could be a starter for them, which the way that I could be a starter to... for Cleveland, what's that? I could be a starter for Cleveland. They yeah. could turn me into like a back end starter. So. Yeah. And I mean, he had a, an incredibly good um, was it 2019 with San Diego, except for like his last three starts, which was at that point the most innings he'd ever thrown in his pro career, uh, and he imploded a bit, and it jumped his ERA from like a two point something to a four point something. So it looks like it was just a really average season. But for the majority of the season, he was really good, and so if the Cleveland thinks that they can turn him into that for a full season, then yeah, they're probably not going to give him up. But if they, they only see him as a bullpen arm, um, then they might be more willing to do that. Yeah, I had been looking at Cleveland as well. Um, I didn't end up choosing them for one of my trades, but I was looking at them and I was looking at uh, Logan Allen as a potential target, obviously. Yeah. Used to be a Red Sox prospect. Um, I don't, I would rather have Quantrill than Allen, uh, personally. Um, but I think, I mean, I think he's a starter. I think he's a back-end starter. So I, I think it's probably similar value. Yeah. Who is your, or what was your second trade package? All right, so my, I went with the Cubs. Um, I wrote about what would happen if Benintendi got traded today, and I landed on my, I guess, dream scenario would be that they would turn around and trade for Chris Bryant. And so I figured I should probably just try and make it easier and do it in one trade. And I got a little, 
crazy. And now I, I, okay. So I, Ben Attendee for Chris Bryant, and then I threw in Jason Hayward, uh, which I've talked about on here before. I think Hayward would be a really interesting quote-unquote bad contract to take on. Um, he's definitely not worth his contract. He's under control for a few more years for over $20 million per. He's not that good, but he's a solid average hitter who play, still plays great defense. Um, would be an interesting platoon guy with Hunter Renfro. You would, pro- you would have to go with Alex Verdugo in center, which I don't love, but I could live with, um, because you can then get some prospect value back. Um, I had Alzale, uh, the pitcher, pretty much major league ready for the Cubs, and then Brennan Davis, who's an outfield prospect, um, who's probably on a similar timeline to like a Jaron Duran, maybe a little bit behind, but um, sort of a 2022-2023 kind of target for him. Um, I sort of lost the thread, uh, picking, d- deciding on what value is uh, between <laughs> between Chris Bryant being such a weird value coming off a terrible 2020, but always being good before that. Benintendi, obviously, Jason Hayward's contract thrown in there. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, and I don't really know how realistic this is, but I think the Red Sox kind of get the best of all worlds, where they get Chris Bryant. And they get the prospects by taking on the bad contract, which um, has been reported a few times this winter. So, um, again, I have no idea if this is actually realistic or not, but this is the framework of something that I would like to see. I don't think it's realistic because of Brennan Davis. He's really good. Yeah, I I thought I was getting a little nutty throwing him in there, but I wanted somebody else, and that was just... The Cubs system isn't super deep. No. But without Davis in it... The other three for Ben and Cindy, I think that's not so bad. Yeah, I think it really depends on how big of a negative you see that Hayward contract. And with yeah, just where baseball is right now, I think the Red Sox would want another prospect. You're probably right that Brennan Davis is kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, but I think they would probably look for... I mean, I don't, I don't know the Cubs system super well, but... I think they'd probably look for another prospect in addition to that, too. They could. I definitely think that it would be pretty easy to convince the Ricketts, like, hey, you, for some reason, hate Chris Bryant, and you don't want to pay Jason Hayward a buttload of money, so we'll take both of them, and here have Benny. That definitely seems realistic, given the things I have come to learn about the Ricketts living in Chicago. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it would be interesting... To see where they would put Benintendi, but I guess I mean, if you're trading on these pieces, you kind of just figure that out later. The Cubs are kind of a mess right now. Yeah, they sure are. My second one here is Arizona. Um, so for pretty much all four of these, I, w- I looked for uh, youngish starting pitchers who haven't lived up to expectations. Uh, and then like another prospect piece for Benny. Um, so in my first one, that was Quantrill, and then, a, well, I guess, I mean, class isn't a prospect, it's just a reliever, but sort in Arizona, went with the same format in John Duplantier, and then Luis Frias, who was a starting pitching prospect. Duplantier, um, I think he's only pitched like three innings in the majors, um, after being one of, like, I think at, at one point he was a top 20 prospect in the league. Um, then it's shoulder surgery. 
and uh, missed a big chunk of time, but uh, came back to pitch very sparingly. Um, so that it could be a guy that Arizona is just still has questions on, and so they might be willing to move him. And I think that um, the Red Sox, if a starting pitcher has raw stuff, they seem to be able to help him rein it in. So that's why I think uh, he'd be a good fit with the Red Sox. Frias is a decent-ish reliever. Um, I think he was like number 10 in Arizona's system. Uh, but I guess what are, what are your thoughts on that, if that might be realistic? I think it's realistic. Um, this is sort of... I guess this is sort of what I would probably expect roughly what Benintendi would get back, and I don't know that I love it. Um, I mean, I think the upside is legit with both of these pitchers, um, especially uh, Duplantier. I, I don't want to have to pronounce that name a lot. Um, although, Jerry <laughs> Remy, Jerry Remy saying that name could be worth it just on its own, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a, yeah, like you said, he's, he's been highly ranked. Um, he is a little bit older, um, which doesn't bother me a ton. He's 26. Um, but I mean, with pitchers, especially with a guy with arm injury history, I'm not really super concerned about the age. Um, I'll just take, I'll just take the value when I can get it. I'm not, it's not like a position player where I'm thinking I'm going to have him for 15 years. Um, and then with Frias, I mean, the upside is huge. He has the stuff. The command is a little bit of an issue. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's a universe in which you trade for both of these guys, and they both hit something close to their ceilings, and you just absolutely run away laughing. Um, as a result of this trade, it's not the most likely universe. It's probably not the universe we live in. Um, but I think, like I said, I think this is probably a rough outline of what you're getting, and it's why... I'm skeptical that a trade happens, but I think this is realistic. And if they are set on trading him and getting pitching back, I think this makes some sense. Cool. So I look forward to Bloom pulling this off in like a week. <laughs> uh, try like a month. <laughs> no, nothing's yeah, happening. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what was your third one here? All right. So. I stayed in Chicago. I think the White Sox make a lot of sense for Benintendi. Um, right now, they have Adam Engel as a starting outfielder. Um, and Angle's solid, but I think they would like to find somebody else. I mean, they're obviously in win-now mode. They have a team that's ready to win. They added Adam Eaton on the other corner. I think Benintendi would make sense for them. And so... Um, I had them trading Benatendi to Chicago for Micker Adolfo, um, who is an outfield prospect. Uh, Ready right now doesn't provide a ton in terms of defense or base running or anything like that. Um, Isn't going to hit for a high average. He's going to strike out a lot. He's sort of like an outfielder, corner outfielder, Bobby Dalbeck. but I mean that power. If he if he taps into that power, it's legitimate, and he can step in pretty much right away. And then I also had a pitching prospect, Jonathan Stever, 
Stiver. I actually don't know how to say his name. Uh, but he was fifth-round pick recently. He's not super exciting. He came up last year, but he did not do well, but he had not pitched above high A before that. Um, I wouldn't really read into his six innings from 2020. Um, but, I mean, he's sort of like another one of these Thad Wardish type guys who can probably stick as a starter but doesn't have the highest ceiling maybe Thad Ward's not a great comp there but um just one of those sort of nondescript pitching prospects that you sort of need that's relatively close to the majors um I didn't love this one but I think if you I think the Red Sox have shown in recent years that they really are fine with those low contact high power hitters and that's what Adolfo is um, and so if they're if they think they can get the most out of his power, which for all of the issues the Red Sox have developing pitchers, they do not have them with hitters. They are very good at getting the most out of a hitter. Um, yeah, I think that they get the major league ready outfielder and then a starting pitcher who's could be close and could contribute as soon as next year. Yeah, this actually seems pretty realistic. Um... I like Mickey Rodolfo, like you said. It's just it's all raw power, and the dude is absolutely jacked. So that part is just really fun. Um, plus, Mickey is a great Boston name. Yeah. So another good, good Jerry Remy name. Yeah. Um, Stevie is interesting too. I think you made a pretty good point about him, and that is kind of like a target. I think that we've seen the Red Sox go after recently, uh, like within the past year. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and while it may not be uh, high ceiling with these guys, it's enough that they'll, they would contribute. So I could see that being pretty realistic. I will say I would be disappointed and underwhelmed if it actually happened. Yeah, I think that's why I see it as realistic. Yeah, unfortunately. Because it, it would be a bit of a downer. <laughs> uh, my third one is uh, with Seattle this time. Uh, Benny to Seattle for Justin Dunn and Connor Phillips. Uh, Dunn was a pitcher who was part of the Cano trade. Uh, originally was with the Mets. Then sent to Seattle. Uh, he's pitched in the majors a bit. Um, I don't think he's lived up to his hype because he was a, another, that was like a top 50 prospect in the league at the time of the trade. Uh, it was kind of one of the key pieces in that deal. Um, so... He's a guy that still needs a little bit of work, but I think the Red Sox uh, might be able to do real something with him. And then Connor Phillips is a really young pitching prospect. He's 19, um, but is a is a guy like similar to Frias. I think that like if he hits, you'd be thrilled that he's in your system. Uh, being 19 and a pitcher, obviously, there's about as much risk as you can have in a prospect. So. Could go well, could go wrong, but that's kind of why you make trades. So um, pretty similar to my previous two uh, trade scenarios, just with Seattle this time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I don't like this one, Keaton. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't really like Justin Dunn. Um, I know he hasn't pitched a lot in the majors, like the sample is not really something that we should be drawing any conclusions from. I guess he's pitched fifty-two innings in the majors. That's not nothing, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really convinced he's a starter. And that's fair. I don't. If I'm trading for a reliever, I like the um, Class A one with Cleveland. I would feel more comfortable with because I've seen him be a very good reliever. Um. And Phillips, uh, he was just drafted, which isn't a bad thing, but just, like I said, the Red Sox track record with developing pitchers, I feel like in this trade, he would be the bigger get, and I don't, I wouldn't love a 19-year-old pitcher being the bigger get. If you like Justin Dunn, I can see this being a reasonable move, uh, but just personally, I'm not a big Dunn guy. Yeah, I do like him, and... um in his 52 innings in the majors, he has had significant walk issues. Uh, but that was not the norm in the minors. Um, so I feel like he's still rating it in at the major league level. Obviously, he hasn't pitched a full year. Or I guess, technically, 2020, he did pitch a full year. Pitched 10 games. So that's about as full as you could get in the 2020 season. But still a small enough sample that I think there's gains to be made there. Um so, I, I am a done guy. So that this made sense to me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Seattle, Seattle would Seattle go for Benintendi. I don't know. I feel like they'd go for anyone. Yeah, it just they have. I feel like they don't really need. Like the one thing they don't really need is like outfielders. They have. Kalanick, obviously, is like one of the best prospects in baseball. They have Julio yep. Rodriguez. They have Taylor Trammell. Not to mention Kyle Lewis, who... Did he win Rookie of the Year? I know he's a finalist. I don't remember if he ended up winning. I think he did. Um, I just... I think they probably are looking at any sort of long-term piece, but I don't know... I don't know that an outfielder would make sense for them. Surprised the one guy you didn't mention was Hanniger and his exploded testicle. I... Did not know that Mitch Haniger had an exploded testicle. Um, <laughs> this is news to me. I'm just going to move on because I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> okay. I'm praying so, for you, Mitch. Yeah. So sorry What's your next trade scenario? Yeah. All right. Um, so the next one, I got a little spicy. Uh, I went with Houston. I did a one-for-one trade. Um, Benintendi to Houston. Houston... I'm assuming it's still trying to win. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but they definitely need some outfield help after uh, Michael Brantley left. Um, right now, and uh, Josh Reddick left as well. 
uh, Miles Straw and Chaz McCormick, who I am pretty sure Chaz McCormick is like a create a player random name from like MVP 2005. <laughs> uh, he is roster resource has him projected as the starting left fielder. Uh, so I would assume they're in the market for outfield help. And I did uh, straight up for Luis Garcia. Another one, I don't know how realistic this is. Garcia has some, definitely some command issues, but the stuff is there. He came up and pitched a little bit in 2020 um, after not having pitched above high A. I would think that he would probably start this coming season in the minors, despite having that major league experience. But a guy who could be on a similar timeline to Brian Mata um, would probably be... I don't know that he would be above Brian Mata in the organizational rankings, but I think it would be close. I like Luis Garcia. Um, this might be a little much for Benetton. It might be a little bit of wishful thinking. Maybe it's a little less. Maybe I just really like Garcia. Um, I think a one-for-one one trade probably isn't very realistic, but I think this is sort of the value you would be looking at if it was. I don't think it's wishful thinking. Uh, he's the 13th ranked prospect in Houston's system. That seems really low to me. That does seem really low. So I don't I don't think that's outrageous. Maybe that I just sense. like him too much. There's also too I mean, many Luis Garcias in baseball, but that's a conversation we can save for another day. True. Hey, at least this one isn't a second baseman. Yes. I think there's like three... Second baseman. Yeah, yeah they're base, like so. multiplying. Yeah. Um, but no, I think if you're going to go one for one, I think this makes sense. I mean, scouting the stat line, uh, which is, you know, a bit of a risk through minor league stats, but he's been pretty impressive at every level he's been at. Um, even a, you know, a small 12 inning stint in Houston is pretty impressive. Um, so I can see why. We'd expect him to be higher than the 13th in the organization, but maybe it's because he was overaged at like every level. Um, so we'd expect him to dominate, but you know, sometimes meeting expectations is good. And he was pretty consistent at every single level. So I, I think this makes sense. Yeah, you could definitely miss bats. The command, I think, puts a little bit of a um, puts a little bit of reliever concern, which probably explains the lower ranking as well. Um, I mean, just the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how good your stuff is. If you can't throw strikes, you're not going to start. Just ask Darwin's and Hernandez. Um, but I don't think his command is quite that off. Yeah. All right, well, um, if you didn't like my one with Seattle, I feel like you're not going to like this one with Texas. But um, Texas is my fourth scenario here. Ben Benintendi to Texas for Colby Allard and Jose Leclerc. Uh, Allard originally uh, was with uh, Atlanta, uh, traded to Texas for I can't remember who. Um, and then Leclerc, obviously, in a back-end reliever scenario that uh, Texas doesn't really need because they're not going anywhere. So uh, they get an outfielder with some control, and then the Red Sox get some pitching help. Do you like this one a little bit better? I do. Um, I have been a big Leclerc guy. Um, he had that, he sort of fell off a bit in 2019, but I don't think he fell off quite as bit as it seemed. Um, 
He was hurt then, right, though? Wasn't there an explanation for it? Yeah, he missed a bunch of time this past season. I think there was some injury issue he was pitching through. Um, but even then, I mean, he's still missing bats like crazy. I mean, the dude gets yeah. strikeouts. He reminds me a lot of Matt Barnes in that way. Um, not a totally similar pitcher in terms of approach and arsenal and all that, but just in terms of the strikeouts and the walks. Um, and everybody knows how I feel about Matt Barnes. Um, Allard, I'm a little bit less excited about, um, but I think he's... I think he fits, he would be the second piece to me in this deal, and I think he fits as sort of that cost-controlled back-end starter. Um, He's a former first-round pick, but I don't really see huge upside. He's still only 23, um, so I mean, it's not like there couldn't be any more growth uh, left for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see him as like a 4 or 5, and then you hope that you can get Leclerc back to, I mean, it would be awesome if you get him back to 2018, where he was like maybe the best reliever in baseball. But um, even if you get some, find a middle ground between 2018 and 2019, um, I could live with it. Again, probably wouldn't love it, would be underwhelmed. But I think looking at Benintendi, this is probably about the level you're looking at. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. All right, on to your last one. All right. So this one I really... This is... A, I'm marking this one incomplete. I, <laughs> okay. I have an idea, but I don't know exactly how I put it together. So uh, it's with the Cardinals. Red Sox will be getting Harrison Bader. Um, fills the center field hole. Plays good, really good defense. Um, has been inconsistent offensively. He was really good in the shortened season last year, was pretty bad the year before, uh, was pretty good the year before that. Um, and again, we're talking about a guy who plays outstanding defense on center field, um, strikes out a lot. He sort of reminds me a lot of Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, with his overall game. He has some quiet power. It doesn't always come out. Um, he strikes out more than he'd like. He can get on base a little bit, but defense is really the calling card. Um, and he's 26 um, under team control through 2023. So I think his value is higher than Benatendi, so you probably would have to throw in some prospects. Um, I don't. I just don't know exactly who. I probably wouldn't. I put. I wrote down Gilberto Jimenez. I probably would take that back. I wouldn't put him in there, um, but probably somebody in like that ten to fifteen range in the system. Um, I mean, pick your poison from whoever that is. That Ward, um, Bonacci, somebody in that yeah ten fifteen ten to twenty sort of range in the system. I really like Bader as a target. I would enjoy having him on this team, but I think you're right. I think that it's a bit of a difficult one to maneuver. Um, Jimenez, it seems like it would be too much. Yeah, Um, I I don't know why I threw that in there. And for the Cardinals, I mean, it might seem weird to do an outfield for an outfield, but the Cardinals have Dylan Carlson, who's an outstanding prospect who 
should be playing in center field, but he's not because Bader's there. Um, so this would open up center field for him. And then uh, Tyler O'Neill also there, who is also massively jacked. His dad is like a Canadian uh, bodybuilder. It's like award-winning bodybuilder. Yeah, you can get the stuff. So there's a fun fact. But yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I also agree that um, Bader's defense is tremendous and would be one of the better options to replace Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, if you're not bringing him back uh, and have to go somewhere else for a center fielder, I really like Bader as the target for that. Yeah, it's just difficult finding that match, but I think there could be something there. Yeah. Okay, my last one, uh, I was really struggling to find a fifth, but I wanted to have the same number as you. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I would have just taken one out. One. Yeah, I probably would have been better off because I don't think this makes any sense at all, but um, I went with it anyway. Pittsburgh yeah, selling people one. off, uh, and Polanco seems like somebody they are uh, fine parting ways with, so I've been intending for Polanco. I hate it. Yeah, I do too. I was really struggling for that one. Polanco. <laughs> Doesn't make sense for either team. Yeah, Polanco just seems like an older Nomar Mazzara to me. And he's been good, so that's probably a yeah. little unfair. But just that I've I've drafted Gregory Polanco, it seems like fifteen years in a row in fantasy. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like he, he he has had good seasons, but not in the past like four or five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I he has tortured me enough in fantasy. I don't I don't need him in my real life, Red Sox life. Yeah, that's fair. Well, those are some scenarios that we thought of uh we'll see i guess who gets the closest um i am actually surprised that neither of us landed on the same team i did look at the cubs and cardinals but i didn't find anything i thought that made sense but so we ended up finding scenarios with 10 teams yeah and you none of them were the marlins who have been the only team reported <laughs> yep and none of them were the reds who i tried really hard to make work but i just couldn't figure it out just because he's that's where Benintendi's from. Um, we talked very early in the offseason. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, but I want. I really wanted to try something where the Red Sox got Nick Senzel, but I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I was gonna say I thought it was Jake, but I was like, I remember talking to somebody about Nick Senzel. Yeah, that was me. It was just I. You would need to maybe add a third team or make it like a eight player deal, which I'm just certainly not gonna put together right now yeah alrighty well that's a bit of a look at the major league level let's think of gander at the minors um, so today Fangraphs came out with their top 45 Red Sox prospects um, we'll just quickly run through the top 10 uh, and then we can talk about them uh, they have Jeter Downs number 1 Tristan Casas number 2 Brian Mata number 3 Gilberto Jimenez number 4 Noah Song number 5 Tanner Houck, number six. Jaron Duran, number seven. Connor Siebold, number eight. Bobby Dahlbeck, number nine. And Edward Bizardo, number ten. Any surprises for you there in the top ten? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, same. I did have a couple as well. Were um, you surprised that Casas was not number one? Yeah, that was where I was going to start. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not super surprised. Um, Longenhagen, who does, Eric Longenhagen does the prospect stuff at Fangraphs. I feel like he has been high on downs in the past, so I'm not super surprised. Jake and I talked about this a little bit, 
and I knew it. I I said that Downs was going to be number one on at least one list this year. So um, there you go, Jake. I won that one. Um, but I mean, I get it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it ranked that way. I would have Casas number one. But I mean, it's a middle infielder who could be ready for the majors as soon as late next season, uh, versus a first baseman who hasn't who has played only a couple games as high as high A. Um, so I get the logic. Again, I wouldn't go there, but I don't I don't think it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think it's a massive gap between the two. I would also have Casas number one. Um I don't think there's I mean, pretty much as you go down this list and like tier it out, there's not a whole lot between tiers as you go, um, except for those two guys really at the top. Another thing that stood out to me was having Song at number five. Was that surprising to you? I think that's about where I would have him. Um, but I've long been one of the highest on Noah Song. Um, I have said if if things are if things weren't like if he wasn't if he didn't have the military commitments and he was able to pitch like a normal prospect on a normal schedule, um, I think I would have him. I would think about having him number one in the system. Um, that's how good I think Noah Song is. So I think number five is very reasonable, but I think that's probably higher than a lot of people would have him. Yeah, I think I would have him really in the back end of the top ten and closer to ten because of it. Because, I mean, it's a long time to not have. It's so hard, especially we don't even know. Cuts. We don't even know exactly when he's coming back yet, which makes it difficult. Um, yep. Like I said, I, I think on talent, honestly, I think I would have him number one just on talent alone. Um, and I think the makeup, everything about his makeup and his personality suggests to me that he's not going to be as affected by missing that time off as maybe some other players would. Um, that's not to say there won't be any rust or anything or any effects. Um, but I don't. I I just absolutely love Noah Song. I can't wait to see him. Yeah, but it's definitely going to be a bit of a wait. Uh, what were some other things that stood out to you here? I think, um, Jaron Duran down at seven. It seems like there's a big split on Jaron Duran between. Red Sox specific people and people in the Red Sox organization and more nationally focused people and I don't I don't think that's surprising and I don't I don't think that um, like I think every organization has players like that and I don't think the organization is always right so the national people could very well be right on Jaron Duran um, I would have Jaron Duran number three in the system right now um and I don't really know that there's anybody I would consider putting above him other than Downs and Casas. Um, so I was a little surprised to see him that low, below Tanner Houck, below having Jimenez so far above him. And I should mention that Fangraphs does their rankings based on a future value rating on a, a 2080 scale. And so... Uh, it's sort of tiered out like that. So like Downs and Casas are both 50 future value. So they're 1-2, but they're basically in the same tier. Jimenez is um, a grade above Duran, which I found surprising. Um, I like Jimenez. I think he can be good. 
I just, I don't know, from what we've seen from Duran last summer and even the summer before that when they were actually playing real games, um, I I absolutely, I think Duran is going to be very, very good. I agree. And so I think why I would lean more towards the org guys on this one in particular is because we didn't have a lot of information with the alt site, um, no minor league season. However, I feel like Duran uh, is the one player that I saw the most about. And there's a lot of detail from the folks within the organization or guys dedicated to the Red Sox uh, detailing the changes that he made to his swing uh, and breaking down video from camp to minor league video uh, and the positive effects that it had. He you know, changed his stance in where he holds his hands um, to kind of mirror Alex Verdugo's, and it opened up a lot of power at the uh, the alternate site, and he kind of kept that going in fall and winter ball, um, which makes me all the more excited about him. Uh, so in a season where we have very little data on guys in the minors, Duran is actually a guy that the people dedicated to the Red Sox uh, generated a lot of content about, and I'm fully buying into it. Yeah, and I think that's the adjustment part of it, I think, is a big reason why I'm so in on Duran. Um, he made big, big adjustments when he first joined the organization, too. He was... Um, I forget what round he was draft. What round he was drafted? I think it was seventh, sixth, seventh, something like that. Um, and he came. He obviously came out of nowhere that first season, and a big reason was the Red Sox immediately identified in college that this was a guy who had the talent, but had to adjust his swing pretty significantly. And he did it on the fly that first pro season. And like you said, he made those other adjustments this summer. Um, and even just like putting aside those specific adjustments and the results that came from them. Um, just the fact that he's shown he's capable of doing, making those kind of adjustments, uh, just bodes so well, in my opinion, just, I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for in a prospect is a guy that can, uh, face that on the field adversity and be able to make the necessary adjustments to get out of it. And I will say in Jimenez's defense, um, he was the guy, he probably generated the most buzz down at Instructs. Um, so obviously we didn't get to see him at all over the summer, but in the fall, he did make a good impression. So, um, this one is less about Jimenez for me than it is just being positive about Durant. Yeah, I would agree. Same page. Um, I guess looking a little bit further down, do you have any notes on uh, some guys outside the top 10 that maybe surprised you a bit? Um, no, I think I was a little surprised that Nick York and Jason Rosario were 15-16. But like I said with the tiers, um, they were in the same tiers as Bizardo, who was at number 10, whose ranking was probably the most surprising to me. But when you consider that you can really flip him with Rosario at 16 and it really wouldn't make that much of a difference, it makes a little more sense. Um, but other than that, I think I'm probably... The biggest difference for me with them would probably be Matthew Lugo. They have him all the way down at 27. I think I would have him in my top 15. Um, and I was a little surprised that Longenhagen had him down here because Longenhagen, I believe, used to be pretty high on him. So that sort of concerns me a little bit, but that would probably be my biggest disagreement outside of the top 10. So you were, you were mentioning uh, Shoemake as a name that bothered you. 
Bizardo's name really bothers me, and I'm annoyed that his name isn't Eduardo Bizardo. Edward, yeah, Eduardo Bizardo would uh, flow off the tongue. Um, the reason Shoemake bothers me more is just because I type the uh, last name more than the first name. That makes sense. Fair. Uh, Nick York down there at 15 was a bit surprising, but he was just drafted and has done nothing with the organization other than uh, get drafted or slot. So I guess he was at the alternate site for like a week or so. Was he? Yeah, at the very end. And he looked good, but I mean, I really don't. Honestly, I don't put a ton of stock into anything that happened there. But um, considering his age, it's impressive that he was in the hold zone a little bit. But again, I mean, it was only like a week, but. All right. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, is the Durbin Feltman experiment over? I don't think so. I think this is a really interesting year for Feltman. Um, he's a guy I've been thinking about recently as just just a guy I wouldn't forget about for this year. Okay. Noted. Alrighty, let's uh, wrap this up with some listener cues. Got a handful of some fun ones here. Uh, first off is Adam Carboneau. He says, the Red Sox have been rumored to sign veterans like Odorizzi and Kluber. Do you guys agree with them signing veterans, or should they instead work on providing uh, experience to recently promoted pitchers like Hauk Grumada to really see what they got? Uh, Odorizzi, I don't. Kluber, I think, could be a guy that they sign uh, for like a four year, like Jake and I actually talked about Kluber a lot on the previous pod um, because we were looking at the, the pitchers and who we thought we projected out opening day roster and we both had Kluber on that roster. So um, while he's, he may not be back to his Cy Young level performance, I think a healthy Kluber is still the best pitcher on your roster until Sale comes back. So uh, I feel a lot better about him than Odorizzi because Odorizzi would not fit that description. Um, but I also do want to see what they have in the young guys because I don't, I, I guess both Jake and I expect them to miss the playoffs again in 2021, the way things are trending with the roster. So why not take this time to see what you have in those guys before moving forward to potentially competing again in 2022. So it's kind of a cop-out answer and agreeing with uh, both sides of that. Um, but that's how I feel. Well, I mean, I think I don't think it is an either or, whether you want it to be or not. Um, I mean, I think they need to sign a couple of pitchers because they need bodies. Um, and I think there is something to be said about trying at least a little bit, even if you're not going to make the playoffs. I did my own roster projection. I had Odorizzi and Chris Archer, which I don't love, but they're veterans. But even <laughs> if you I? sign guys like that, um, the young pitchers are going to get a chance. I mean, have we looked at the Red Sox rotation? With the guys that they have right now, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Ovaldi, Chris Sale, um, injuries are going to happen. Underperformance is going to happen. Tanner Houck is going to get his innings and get his shot. Nick Pavetta, unfortunately, is going to get his innings and get his <laughs> shot. Brian Mata will get his shot at some point later in the year. Connor Seabold will get his shot at some point, probably in like June, July. Jake Groom, I don't necessarily no i think you would have to pitch very well to maybe get a september call up but um yeah just generally i mean i think they can sign veterans and if they sign veterans and it ends up 
not leaving any opportunities for the young guys, that means that everybody stayed incredibly healthy, and that is probably a very good thing. Um, and it's probably not going to happen. So um, I, I really don't see it as an either-or kind of situation. The surfing guy says, what will the scheduling look like this year? Same as last year with less traveling or back to normal cross-country. Um, well, uh, I don't... I, don't I think, think if... It, I don't think anybody knows. Um, yeah. Right now the plan is for things to go as scheduled. Um, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if the season gets pushed back two months. And I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, they just start getting vaccines soon. And if you had told me that like a month ago, I would have been pissed off. But at this point, just give them the fucking vaccines because they're going down toilets right now anyways. So whatever has to happen, like it's better. I don't love the idea of professional athletes skipping the line, but at the same time, it sounds a whole lot better than just Dumping throwing them, them away. So, um, yeah. T- but to answer the question, no, nobody has any idea what's going on. They don't even know if the National League yeah. has a DH yet. This league is incompetent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my I was gonna say I, I expect at this point that the start date is gonna get pushed back, which is gonna force them into. A whole other round of fun negotiations I that actually, went through all last summer where the players want to play and Major League Baseball wants to squeeze as much money out of them as possible. Uh, just based off of the fact that the NBA is like about to shut down again because the coronavirus is wreaking havoc on them. Um, so I think that the NBA is much more competent than the uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, so I don't think they're going to start on time because of this, uh, unless, like you said, they just scoop up a bunch of vaccines and uh, if the options are given to athletes or throw them down the drain, it might as well give them to people. So I completely agree with you. I actually don't think they're going to push the season back for whatever it's worth. Um, Interesting. MLB basically has no right to do that unless the government declares an emergency, and um, that would include local governments. And uh, not to get too political, but I do not expect that to happen from our government. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I can think of a few states where that's not going to yeah. happen. Maybe the ones where spring training is held. Yeah, those were the ones. Yeah. Uh, Jay Smooth wants to know, will the Red Sox address the non-JBJ center field? Uh, I think eventually they will. Um, I would be a little disappointed if they roll with Benintendi, Verdugo, Renfro, but not entirely surprised. I don't think there's any doubt. I have I have no doubt that they'll add another outfielder. Whether or not it's a center fielder is a little more up in the air, but I still I still think that'll happen. Um in that aforementioned roster projection, I had Kevin Pilar in center field. Very underwhelming, but at least he's a center fielder. Yeah. Ivan L Apex has rapid fire would you rather's here uh for some socks. Uh second base. Colton Wong or Marcus Simeon? Colton Wong. It's close enough. Yeah, I lean Wong there too. Outfield, Eddie Rosario or Michael Brantley? Brantley. Rosario for me. Uh, Brantley for me. Starting pitcher, Odorizzi or Garrett Richards? Garrett Richards, a thousand percent. That one is hard. It depends who uh, if they sign somebody else. If they sign Corey Kluber, then I would rather have Odorizzi. Um, if they sign like Jose Quintana, I would rather have Garrett Richards. I don't want two guys coming off major injuries. But Richards, 
Richards mm-hmm. didn't come off a major injury, but his his basic his whole life is basically coming off a major injury. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then starting pitcher risk conditions is a no brainer for me again too. Uh, James Paxton, Chris Archer, Paxton. Yeah, Paxton. Unless yeah, unless Paxton wants like a six year deal, which he obviously does not. Yeah, it's Paxton without hesitation. And then bullpen, uh, Hand and Yates, or uh, Colomay and Rosenthal. Hand and Yates, again, no question for me. Same. Although, I was thinking about Rosenthal today. Uh, that would be a pretty interesting target for the Red Sox. Yeah, really I think so, too. Um, Brad Hand, I think, is my, f- I think is the best reliever out there, other than Liam Hendricks. Um, and Kirby Yates, I think, is a really interesting guy coming off a bad year. Agreed. And then we actually had a follow-up from... Ivan L. Apex. Uh, Red Sox get Merrifield, Stalmont, and Duffy from Kansas City. The Royals get Jeter Downs, Gilberto Jimenez, and Bobby Dahlbeck. Who says no? I think the Red Sox do. I think both teams do. Um, okay. I don't think... The Royals are very interesting in that they don't seem to be trying to actively piss off their fans. Um they are the rare rebuilding team who's actually adding some veterans and keeping some fan favorites. I don't think they would trade with Merrifield unless they got absolutely blown away. And um, I don't think the Red Sox would give this up either, but I also don't think this is blowing the Royals away. I think Whit yeah. Merrifield, I think people in Kansas City, I think really, really, really like Whit Merrifield. He's a fun guy. He I don't blame him. And then lastly, we have Luis De Jesus Gomez says, "Y'all think JD Martinez gonna bounce back and become the hitter he was?" I do. Depends which which hitter, like which year are we talking about? I think he can be twenty nineteen. I'm not expecting twenty eighteen when he was like the best hitter in baseball. Yes, that is the the same vision that I have as well. Yeah, I would say if you had to, if I had to put a number on it, I would say like a one thirty WRC plus. Yeah, that's a great bat right there in the middle of the order. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you don't. Uh, at Over the Monster, you can find me at the Spoken Keiths. Um, oh man, can't believe I just remembered. This. I was supposed to introduce you as. Like the most handsome man in the world, or something. What oh, was it? Uh, I don't remember. That was a long time ago. But that I do was a long time ago. See, this is why we can't go this far without <laughs> doing pause. Forget all the jokes I'm supposed to do. <laughs> well, um, well, you can yeah find Matt there. Obviously, check out OverTheMonster.com for all the awesome stuff that we write. And hopefully, you are uh, subscribed to this Over the Monster Podcast Network and ready for our 2020 launch of podcasts all over the place. Shirley and I are bringing back the precap. Uh, and we should have a prospect podcast this year. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to plug while we're at it? Um, not really. Speaking of prospects, uh, next week we are starting our annual community prospect rankings. So be on the lookout for that. But other than that, uh, business as usual. Great. Look forward to having you listening in next week. Thanks. <laughs>